This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are still quarantined here in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. I am in the Sentinel Fort. Sam Knight is not too far away, still in Pistown, but not in the Sentinel Fort. Uh, We do have a microphone for him. Welcome, Sam. It's always always something exciting going on around here. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't have corona. I'm just uh, clearing my throat. Yes, the virus can't keep us down, though. The show must go on. It's Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. Here's the news. Voting is underway in several states. Despite the clear risks to the public from coronavirus and despite guidelines from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to shut down gatherings of more than 10 people. Ohio, which was scheduled to hold a primary today, did move to cancel voting last night. That was a decision made by the governor in consultation with the state's health director, who closed polling places. Governor DeWine has called for the primary to be moved to June. But the other states scheduled to hold primaries, Florida, Illinois, and Arizona, are keeping polling places open despite the chaos that will ensue. In Florida, several polling places have been closed or moved, and hundreds of polling workers have stated they will not work out of caution. Local news outlets are reporting that as many as 300,000 Tampa residents will have to find a new polling place to vote today. In Illinois, same story. Poll workers aren't showing up. Election judges say they won't be there either. Polling places have been closed. One election worker reported on Twitter that election staff were mostly elderly, that they were provided with no cleaning supplies and that the polling place was missing ballots and election judges and that the state wasn't answering phone calls. In Arizona, 80 polling places have been closed, likely leading to surges at the remaining polls, creating mass gatherings of people that violate the CDC guidelines. The decision to move forward with the state primaries rests with the state officials, but they have been encouraged by both the National Democratic Party apparatus and the Joe Biden campaign, Biden surrogates have been informing people that it is safe to gather at polling places to vote in direct contradiction to the CDC. And the DNC chair, Tom Perez, has been echoing those sentiments and saying he has full faith in the states to carry out their elections, despite all the contradictory reports coming from those states. The risks of today's elections come just as the cases and reported deaths from coronavirus continue to climb. Cases within the U.S. today surpassed 5,000. Nearly 90 people have died from the virus. On Monday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said his state's health care facilities are likely to be overwhelmed. In Connecticut, more than 200 nurses have been furloughed due to coronavirus exposure. Whatever the results are from today, they will clearly be illegitimate which means that the Democratic establishment's insistence on holding these elections, despite the clear risks, in order just to knock Bernie Sanders out of the race, will merely sow more distrust from his supporters and increase the likelihood that Donald Trump wins in November. More importantly, though, people are just going to die because of this decision. You got to love how uh, how these same people who tear their hair out at the sudden lack of decency and the uh how how our leaders aren't chasing facts and adhering to facts and science during the trump era and and these same leaders are now just asking people to march to their deaths to vote for joe biden (laughs) 
totally, totally ignoring all the doctor's advice and everything. I'm, I'm sure that uh, the post-fact world is really what they're concerned about here. The coronavirus relief bill that Nancy Pelosi is completely botching got even worse last night. The Wall Street Journal reported that she and other House leaders watered down their sick leave bill after pressure from corporate lobbyists. In the version that passed over the weekend, the House granted workers two weeks of paid sick leave, albeit with many exemptions, applying benefits to only 20% of workers, as we discussed on yesterday's show. It also made these workers eligible for 10 weeks of paid leave at two-thirds the rate of their normal pay. But because House Democrats carry water for corporate America every chance they get, the 10-week paid leave was narrowed significantly to those caring for children with school or daycare shut. This leaves out many people impacted by the COVID-19 fallout, workers in quarantine, and those caring for family members impacted by the virus, also healthcare workers and emergency responders. Just to be clear, even those 12 weeks of benefits might fall well short of what's eventually needed. 12 weeks from now puts us in June. Here was President Trump yesterday when asked about how long people should abide by CDC instructions which, as of yesterday, urges people to avoid gatherings of 10 or more. It seems to me that if we do a really good job, uh, we'll not only hold the death down to a a level that is uh, much lower than the other way, had we not done a good job. Uh, But people are talking about July, August, something like that. So August, in other words, two months longer than these 12 weeks of benefits. Also of note, the bill deals with gig workers too, like Uber and Lyft drivers, contractors, and podcasters who actually have to leave the house. Their their two-week sick leave benefit is capped at $511 per day. To be eligible, you have to show you are recommended to self-isolate or were caring for a child. The benefits also come in classic shitty neoliberal form, a tax credit, which doesn't help much if you're living gig to gig, possibly putting people at the mercy of payday lenders. Leading negotiations with Speaker Pelosi for Republicans is Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. It sounds like he's getting every loophole he wants in this bill. The legislative edits passed on Monday had been called technical corrections. The journal noted that, quote, Democratic aides were alarmed by the changes, which were passed with no objections because House lawmakers are away from Washington. The changes weren't shown to most lawmakers before the vote, end of quote. So just to be clear what happened there, the legislation passed by unanimous consent, meaning that a single lawmaker could have objected and demanded a roll call vote. But as noted, most lawmakers are away. The House is in recess this week, and Nancy Pelosi just let this happen. Anyway, it would be nice if Democratic members confronted Pelosi when she gets back. They probably won't, though. No, they probably won't. In a unanimous vote in the Senate on Monday, controversial FISA surveillance authorities were extended for 77 days. The upper chamber decided not to take up the House's version of a FISA reauthorization, which passed last week, arguing that it didn't go far enough to rein in U.S. spies. The 77-day extension, senators argued, allows for lawmakers to put forward more amendments to prevent spying abuse. Opposition to the House bill was led by bipartisan senators who've long been skeptical of the NSA practices, including Republicans Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Democrats Ron Wyden and Patrick Leahy. Last week, President Trump threatened to veto the House bill. 
The temporary extension applies to three provisions that expired over the weekend, the roving wiretap, the lone wolf provision, and the business records provision. Those authorities remain expired until the House passes the Senate bill, although the House is currently in recess. One thing is for sure, lawmakers are in agreement that a fourth expiring spy provision doesn't need extension. Neither the House nor the Senate bill revived the now-shuttered call records program, first revealed by Edward Snowden in 2013, related to the NSA's bulk collection of nearly every American's telephone metadata. U.S. spies ended that program last year after discovering it was rife with constitutional abuse. Here's the latest on coronavirus stimulus. This morning, Fox News reported the White House would ask Congress for $850 billion to inject into the economy. This includes $500 billion in payroll tax cuts, $250 billion in credit through the Small Business Association, and a bailout for the airline industry worth $58 billion, which, coincidentally, it's just the amount that industry lobbyists wanted. In other words, money is set to flow through companies and to executives and not directly to people in this time of crisis. Assistance to the airline industry is especially questionable, considering industry executives spent $45 billion buying back their own stock between 2010 and 2019, as Bloomberg reported today. That amounts to 96% of their free cash. Still, even Republicans seem to understand that it looks bad to give cash to executives or to make it hard to qualify for assistance during a time of crisis. Here was Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin at a White House press briefing today. Um, although the president likes the idea of the payroll tax holiday, I will tell you what we've heard from many people, and the president has said we can consider this. The payroll tax holiday would get people money over the next six to eight months. We're looking at sending checks to Americans immediately. And what we've heard from hardworking Americans, many companies have now shut down, whether it's bars or restaurants. Americans need cash now, and the president wants to get cash now. And I mean now in the next two weeks. How much? Uh, I will be previewing that with the Republicans. There's some numbers out there. They may be a little bit bigger than what's in the press. Go ahead, please. Now, the size of that number is reportedly $1,000, the number tossed around by Mitt Romney yesterday. If Nancy Pelosi runs immediately to agree with this, note that there are those pushing for even more. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said on Twitter, quote, checks to people are good and I applaud the proposal, but it's not enough. We need payment suspensions to get people through, end of quote. Of course, that's referring to uh, suspending people's debt payments right now, whether it be utilities, rent payments, uh, cell phone bills, etc., on that note, we'll end the newscast with uh, some more optimism, something anarchist Twitter is circulating right now. Five demands as a response to the COVID-19 crisis. That includes one, free health care. Two, no work, food stamps for all. No one should have to go to work right now. Three, suspend bills. Four, homes for all. Five, empty the jails, in bail, release ICE detainees, stop imprisoning homeless people, etc. Uh... You know, this is a very good place to start, in my opinion. And obviously, people are going to push back against this. That's how we live in a capitalist society, baby. No one wants anyone, uh, no one at the top wants anyone to think that anyone has any economic rights. Uh, but as we're seeing around, you definitely do. You definitely should. And now is the time to push for all we fucking deserve. Well, I'd say fewer people are pushing back against this since this crisis started, and we'll see how many people will push back against it by the time this whole thing is over with. 
That music means the newscast is over. Time to read some haiku for our new subscribers over at Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. This first one goes to Remy's World. Watching all the lines, Corona line going up, stock market line down. Thank you, Remy's World. Actually, the, the line was up a little today. It's a sucker's rally. It's a sucker's rally. The line is definitely going down. <laughs> it is 100% going down. Uh, anyway, uh, in the long term, anyway, in the medium long term. Anyway, this is for JS. Owning fake news libs, refusing to wash my hands, fingies in my mouth. <laughs> Thank you, JS. This is for Rob Z. The sick fucks today. Wearing I Voted stickers should be imprisoned. Thank you, Rob Z. Finally, this is for Aaron. If you do plague vote, you get to vote seven times only for Bernie. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. And thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Got a lot of uh, listener rant calls to get to. Clearly, all of you are... Uh, are uh, desperate for for human contact as well in your quarantine states. Let's uh, let's hear some of these calls. Hey Sam and Sam, I love you boys. This is for Sam Knight, as promised from Facebook. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the help. Shout out to the District Sentinel. Yeah, thank you very much, Sam. I say in good God damn for all the help, man. Yeah, you lending me a hand. This is a freestyle. Um, but I'm just kidding, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, calling and wish you guys well. And I know it's crazy out there. And everybody's like sad and scared and crazy and shit. Um, but, yo, uh, Bernie 2020, uh, we could still turn this thing around. Maybe Joe Biden will get the COVID-19 and fucking die, bitch. Big Natties, I'm out. Love you guys. Good to hear from Jorts again. What up, Jorts? I mean, I was thinking that maybe Bernie should sneeze on Biden at the next debate. <laughs> maybe. Hey, this is Holy Johansson up in Minnesota. I called last year. I was out on the lake. You know, the ducks had brought something for us, and that was Sharia law. It was great, you know. We've adjusted just fine up here, you know. Right now, I'm out catching crappies. Ice is starting to thin. You know, things are coming up. And, uh, you know, what's come up is the coronavirus. You know, we're pretty worried about it. Some of my friends, uh, all natural, organic, health made cleaners, they're all using, uh, Clorox now. Go figure. But, uh, we got a steady supply of ice and, uh, things like that. So we'll be fine. Hope you're doing well down south. Uh, I know it's pretty tough down in Pistown. All right, say hi to the ducks for us. Bye. Thanks for the update uh, from Minnesota there. Someone needs to put the darn coronavirus in in a in a ice lake. <laughs> All right, one more call to get to. Don't you know? Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sentinel listeners. It's Slater. I wanted to call in to announce the winner of the 2020 Awful Pundit Tournament was none other than Jennifer Rubin, defeating Brett Stevens and dethroning Ben Shapiro, the winner of the previous two tournaments, who defeated Dana Loesch and Tucker Carlson to win in 2018 and 2019. But this year, Jennifer Rubin is the queen of the bad takes. And also, with the coronavirus ending all other sports entertainment, 
The Awful Pundit Tournament regular season has commenced immediately. It is already in progress. You can go and vote now in matches that will determine the future of the 2021 tournament. And to really put your thumb on the scale and get something of super delegate status, you will have become a Patreon paying subscriber. Um, that comes with the Big Dave baseball card. Um, go over and subscribe now or don't and vote in the free games. Either way, um, everyone have a good and safe one out there. Uh, Slater, peace out. Slater rising to the occasion with sports canceled here, getting that awful pundit tournament regular season underway. Yeah, that big big shout out to Slater for stepping up here. And uh, you know that Jennifer Rubin win is not surprising because she is really sort of acting like a lifelong Democratic Party stakeholder in this uh, primary, sort of making demands on the Democratic Party less than a decade after she basically called Barack Obama a secret Muslim or said, he, literally speaking, said he had he had more sympathies with the Islamic world uh, than his own uh, fellow citizens. And this is the sort of person who the Democratic Party is bending over backward to pander to in this primary. And the fact that Jen Rubin has won the awful pundit tournament seems to indicate you know, a lot of people on the left don't see any place for themselves in the Democratic primary in the Democratic Party these days. And, uh, you know, how can you blame them with a dipshit like Jen Rubin, you know, peddling influence within it? So a good choice for the awful pundit tournament victory. Uh, I think I think the, the voters did well there. And it's also nice to see someone else win. I'm sure Ben Shapiro, you probably could have made the case for him to deserve it again this year. But I, I think that Jennifer Rubin uh, that Jennifer Rubin victory really speaks to the times we're in right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did kind of sneak up on us. Uh, she was like a 13 or 14 seed. I'm curious to see what her seed will be in next year's awful pundit tournament. That she's is gotta, she's got to be a one seed. Yeah, definitely got to be a one seed. That is the show for today. Another quarantine show in the books. Thank you for uh, dealing with that. Uh, with us we're trying to do our best here the news will go on we're here in dc so you don't have to be